I'm Chris from All Things Good and Nerdy, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today we are going to be talking some Ixlaxon spoilers. Only about four cards have been released so far as of this recording. And then we are going to talk about Grand Prix Denver. There were some definitely interesting standard decks going around and I want to discuss them a little bit. And then we're going to get into a little bit of D&D and then we will get into your Q&A. But before we begin, let's get those ads out of the way here. Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9! What? $9? There's no way that could be right! At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. All right, so let's get right into it. We have some official Ixlaxon spoilers. We don't have a whole rare foil cut sheet to talk about. We've actually got some actual spoilers from Wizards themselves. It looks like they may be the game day promo, the buy a box promo, and maybe some FNM promo. I'm not sure. When are they supposed to be doing the FNM tokens? I thought that was this year or maybe it's next year. I don't know. Regardless, anyway, so let's talk about the first. Let's talk about the game day promo. This is the game day promo that everyone will receive when you go to game day, and that is Walk the Plank. It is a double black sorcery, destroy target non merfolk creature. And I gotta say right off the bat, I love the art for this. It looks very old, old school in terms of it looks like it was actually painted. Instead of, you know, computer drawn. It was probably drawn by a computer anyway. But right off the bat, it looks very old school and I love it. Only thing that's missing is the old school border. Um, So this does sort of bring into question, are there going to be tribes? Definitely, if it's saying destroy target non-merfolk creature, that definitely tells us there are going to be merfolk. Duh. All right. And I think we even saw that from some of the unofficial Ixlaxon spoilers that there were some merfolk so you know is this card gonna see a lot of play in standard we don't know I mean I can go and speculate that yeah yeah there's definitely gonna be tribes um if there are gonna be tribes I can only assume it's gonna be merfolk goblin pirate or maybe goblin pirate and dinosaur I mean those are the three that I can sort of assume what's gonna be out there so who knows? I mean, I'm definitely getting more excited and pumped for Ixlaxon. Uh I mean, I it, it's I mean just pirates and dinosaurs. I mean, come on, how fun is that going to be? And I really hope that we see the return of vehicles, mainly for ships. I hope the ships aren't going to be as powerful as some of the vehicles we saw in Kaladesh. You know, at least. You know, not smugglers, copter, or hard of Kieran level, but it would be cool to see some at least good ones in limited and maybe, you know, a higher end vehicle for maybe a late game that's standard playable. But who knows? We'll have to just wait and see. So the next one I want to talk about is Bishop of Rebirth, which costs three colorless and two white. It is a vampire cleric, which is going on with the previous. Uh, Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation where we saw white zombies, now we're starting to see white vampires, which that is definitely a change because as far as I can remember, you know, I'm going to do a filter search right now. Have there been, you know, I know there's been red vampires. There's definitely black vampires and red vampires, but has there been any other type of vampire that's non green or red i'm just doing a quick look right now okay there has been white black vampires okay so orzov vampires so a white vampire isn't that 
hard to believe. I forgot there have been white black ones. Um, and there's been yeah a Grixis one, the Jaleva Nephelia Scourge, which is a pretty popular commander. So there is a Grixis vampire. Um, and nothing else. There has only been... Yeah, there's not been a single white vampire by itself. There's been white black, but no like actual just white. So this is something actually brand new in the entire game, a white vampire, which, you know, with white being about bringing stuff back and keeping life, you know, this this is going to be interesting. So right off the bat, this card is extremely similar to Sun Titan. It is a 3-4 vampire cleric with vigilance. Whenever Bishop of Rebirth attacks, you may return target creature card with converted mana cost 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And that's pretty much exactly what Sun Titan does. Well, no, Sun Titan when it enters the battlefield or attacks. My bad. So... Very, very similar. It just doesn't have the enters the battlefield effect. It has the attack effect. So still not bad. I mean, this will definitely see play unlimited. Will it see play in standard? We don't know. I mean, it definitely could. Maybe white, black zombies. Something. I don't know. Um, because I'll, some of the other good vampires are rotating out when Ixlaxon comes out. So there's not going to be like a mono or not even a mono white, but not, definitely not a white black vampires deck out there right now but you know we'll just have to wait and see um next card i want to talk about is the buy a box promo that is burning sun's avatar that is three colorless three red dinosaur avatar when burning sun's avatar enters the battlefield it deals three damage to target opponent and three damage up to one creature target creature it is a six six for six so right off the bat holy crap um really good uh limited and this is going to be an all-star um geez what what else uh i mean yeah i could even see this being in constructed as well too i don't know doing blue or blue blue red spells or something or blue black or i mean red black um heck even mono red you know, you want to maybe put this at the higher end, you know, a mid-range, a mid-range mono red. I don't know. It's possible you could do it. Uh, really, really excited about this. It's definitely going to be a a cool creature. All right. So for the last card that has been spoiled, that is, I'm actually pretty excited they printed this card, and it's definitely a budget piece but this will even fit into so many edh decks as well too tribal edh decks so it's called it's a land an uncommon land that's called unclaimed territory as unclaimed territory enters the battlefield choose a creature type you can tap it to add colorless to your mana pool or you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type so that is word for word exactly the same as cavernous souls except it doesn't have the caveat of and that spell can't be countered that cavernous souls does so amazing amazing uncommon land for edh it's going to be it's going to be seen playing every EDH tribal deck. I mean, I know I'm going to put it in every single, my goblins, my elves, my, you know, whatever I want kind of deck, my elemental deck, you know, my Omnath, um, everything. So those have been the four cards that have been spoiled so far for Xlaxon. Uh, right away, I'm super pumped and excited. I'm going to definitely be buying some boxes of this. I'm going to try minimum three, but we'll just have to, wait and get there so it's it's pumped i'm excited ixlaxon doesn't come out until the end of september september 29th i think when is the ixlaxon release date release date the release date is september 29th i was right oh bam i'm so fucking good pre-release weekend i'm definitely going to be attending a pre-release hell yes so Make sure you get your pre-orders now, folks. Um, and if you already have them, great. But the check lands are coming back. The It looks like the allied check lands are coming back. So definitely get your play sets now. Um, 
I'm pretty sure they're still going to remain cheap because play sets, not play sets, but each card, each check land card is about two to three bucks. So you're looking at maybe 10 to 12 bucks per play set. Um, just get them now if you already don't have them. I have, I know I definitely don't have play sets of all. I have like a few of them here and there because I wasn't really playing a lot when, when were they last out? M13 is when they were last printed. So I, I actually wasn't even using a deck that used them at the time, so I never got them. And yeah, I kind of wish I did because, I mean, I do have some of them from the Commander products and other stuff too. But yeah, if you don't have them, get them now, folks. All right. It's imperative. All right. Let's get into Grand Prix Denver here. All right. So Grand Prix Denver just happened. It was a standard event. And I got to say, it's it's actually been a while since I've really watched competitive magic, you know, throughout a whole weekend. Um, lately, what I've been doing is actually I haven't really been watching competitive magic at all lately. I've just been sort of falling out of it because one, I've been super busy and two, I just haven't felt it. You know, I just haven't felt I've been more focused on like EDH and um, Cube and it's just haven't felt that standard love or even competitive love in a sense. So I've, I've been watching some Star City Games events, but I'm just, I just wasn't feeling it. So I decided, you know, this weekend I'm going to actually watch Grand Prix Denver. Of course, I didn't watch every single match, but I watched a good fair amount of matches and I, there were some good decks, uh, I mean, it wasn't the most diverse top eight that we've had, but there were definitely some decks that I did like that are out there. So, of course, Teamer Energy took the whole thing. Uh, Mike Segris, I mean, Brad Nelson took the entire Grand Prix with Teamer Energy. He was up against his buddy Brian Branduin or Bronduin, um, who was also playing Teamer Energy. And... I think they were playing the same exact deck list. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, so there were how many teamer? There was a mono black zombie deck. Run them, run them up red. Ramonop. I'm gonna. I can't pronounce that. Mono red. We're just gonna say mono red. I can't say that name for whatever reason. Uh, teamer one two. Three teamer, one, two, three red, one zombie, and one white black or one white blue monument. Um, white blue monument, that thing is a freaking killer, man. Just such a good deck. Uh, so, like I said, not the most diverse top eight, but hey, at least it wasn't all, you know, Bant Company, Bant Collected Company, or something like that. So, just to go over the list real quick. We had Mono Black Zombies by Colin Roundtree. And this looks to be pretty standard Mono Black Zombies. Um, guys, are there even, even any Hour of Devastation cards? Oh, the Ifner Dreadlands, which is the Black Desert. And if you sack it, put two 1-1 one -one counters on target creature and opponent controls. Not too bad. Uh, and then Scavenger Grounds, too. Exile all cards from all graveyards. That's not bad. Any other Hour of Devastation? I'm, I mainly look, because I've seen these lists so many times by now, especially Mono Black Zombies. I just, I'm just checking to see if there's any Hour of Devastation cards in there, and there's only two different types of lands. Everything else is pretty much Eldritch Moon and up. So running up red, um, if you've been living under a rock in the ground ever since Pro Tour Hour of Devastation, Mono Red has been running rampant. And you know what? My Grixis control wrecks Mono Red most of the time. You know, as long as I get counters and kill spells. You know, just, you know, cards that I can actually use against it. But that's neither here nor there. So Mono Red was definitely everywhere in Grand Prix Denver. And I got to say, its weakness is definitely Teamer Energy. Teamer Energy with the Abrade, with the Harness Lightning, the Magma Spray. Um, God, just everything else, just, you know, bristling Hydra is such a beast to deal with, uh, glory bringer, 
Long Tusk Cub, Ronus the Indomitable, Rogue Refiner, Servant, Whirler Virtuoso. So, you know, with Teamer Energy getting so high up, it's almost making me think, well, you know, White Blue Monument, if that wants to continue, it needs to start running. Oh, shit, I can never remember how to say the name of this card. I'm going to screw it up. Solemnity, 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 where it's the two white, two colorless and white enchantment from our players can't get counters. Counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. This card needs to start seeing more play in standard now because if if we th- we're going to be dealing with energy throughout the entirety of Kaladesh being in standard. So until next year in October, we have to deal with energy. And this is the card to help us deal with energy. So people need to start utilizing this card. I'm surprised that the white blue monument deck is not running any in it. I'm looking again. No, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument, you know, do you want to waste a spot for solemnity in the sideboard? I mean, you can make the argument. No, but like I said, with team or energy running rampant and it's going to continue to run rampant we need a way to stop it in the sideboard and this is the perfect card yes there are other ways you know mono red can be super fast enough but if you're wanting wanting <laughs> running white you need solemnity or solemnity or however however you say it ah i don't know it's so frustrating i can't i can't deal can't deal so hold on i'm gonna find the other yeah, the 9 to 32 deck list. So I want to see if there are any other white decks that are actually running this in the sideboard. So Edwin Edwin Eng's White Blue God Pharaoh's Gift, not running it. I mean, like I said, you can make the argument that you don't need to run it. But like I said, it's I'm still surprised why people aren't. Yeah, by the time you get to three, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just still think even if you get it turn three and that's your turn, it's still going to help you more in the long run because what is it right now? Teamer energy. If teamer energy were just to continue the way it's running right now, I mean, yeah, they do run negates in the sideboard and that's it. It's just negates. Um, so let me see. Jess guy, God Pharaoh's gift. no, Corey Burkhart's wasn't running Solemnity. I'm, I'm just checking to see if anyone actually was running this card because I'm almost kind of surprised they weren't. Though I understand there are better cards out there. Um, No, Mike Segrist, or is it Brad Nelson? I don't know. Uh, he wasn't running it. Uh, it's Mono Red, Mono White Eldrazi from Jonathan Job or Job. I don't know how you say it. They weren't running it. Um, Owen Turtenwald was not running it. He was playing. Owen Turtenwald was doing the Jeskai God Pharaoh's Gift. So that is another deck that saw a lot of play. The God Pharaoh's Gift deck. So God Pharaoh's Gift, in case you don't remember, it is a seven costing artifact that at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. It gains haste until end of turn. So you would basically do that with, I don't know, whatever whatever card you want, basically. Um, maybe even Champion of Wits, you know? for doing that is the way you get God Pharaoh's gift out pretty easily is you play gate at the afterlife that costs three colorless. And then, um, you can pay two to sack gate to the afterlife, search your graveyard hand and our library for a card name, God Pharaoh's gift, put it onto the battlefield. And then, you know, if you shuffle your library this way, or if you search your library this way, shuffle it, activate this ability only if there are six or more creature cards in your graveyard. So, I mean that you get, you can get creature cards in your graveyard easily with insolent neonate. Um, what else? Um, you know, walking ballista cause you can remove one, one counters. So yeah, there's ways to get six or more creatures in your graveyard pretty easily or, you know, cathartic reunion to discard stuff. So Jonathan Coleman's Mardu vehicles. Now nope, was not running solemnity four color energy. Is that running white at all or no, 
No, it's not. It's running. It's splashing black. Just guy, uh, Andrew Backstrom's. Nope, not running it. Uh, Zach L6 white blue. God Pharaoh's gift. No, I would think. Jeez, I would. I don't think a almost control deck would be running it or sim or running something similar to it. I guess I'm wrong. That's why I'm not a pro magic player. Cause I'm just not good enough. No, it's, I don't have time. That's my problem. You know, I, I was really actually thinking about it. It's, and I'm sure a lot of people think, feel this way too, that if I wanted to try to go competitive in magic, you know, be a grinder and actually try to be a pro Imagine, I think I could do it. I definitely could do it. Would I, would I do it easily like in a year or two years? I mean, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be easy to do, but if I had the time and the money, I could definitely do it. Um, the money part isn't that much of a problem. It's, I don't think my wife would be happy if I wasted a lot of money doing this for magic and all that. And it's not even so much the magic cards. It's the amount of travel that you have to do. I don't think she'd be happy about either. It's, and I just would not enjoy that either. Um, let's see here. We've got Rafael Chavez, green, white, green, white ramp. And yeah, it's not running it. Authority of the consoles. That's still such a good card especially a good sideboard card where it makes your opponent's creatures enter the battlefield tapped, giving it that Thalia effect. Oh, I love it. Uh, white black tokens from Alex Sittner. Nah, no, no solemnity. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I, maybe it's just a really terrible card, but when I see that and I see the amount of energy decks out there, it just makes me wonder why isn't anyone running it? Like I said, I'm not a pro. I don't I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Okay, not half the time, but the majority of the time. And yeah. So um I think I mentioned earlier that Mike Seagrass Brad Nelson won the whole Grand Prix. And I think we've got another one coming up. Don't we have another one coming up soon? Let me see. Um not that I'm seeing, unless, I don't know. Maybe there is. But um, let's take a look at what the meta game share is like for standard. So, according to MTG Goldfish, uh, Ramanop Red is still number one in the meta. It has 17.98% of the meta. As of this recording, Teamer Energy is at 16.23. Model Black is at 10.09. Mardu Vehicles is now at a whopping 5.26%. Man, that is... It's nice to see it go down. Because that has just been a dominating deck for a long time. Since the beginning of this year. Hell, even before this year. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see that go down. And yeah, I do have to say this meta is pretty diverse i mean of course there are still the few decks that are the tier one number one decks i mean that's how it's going to be in every standard but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel unbeatable like teamer energy doesn't feel unbeatable ramen up red doesn't feel unbeatable mono black zombies doesn't feel unbeatable that has always been a problem with past standards where you know aetherworks marvel that felt unbeatable because by the time turn four runs comes around, you're sort of like, well, spin the wheel. Did, did you get a new Lamog? Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Or an Emrakul when Emrakul was in standard. Um, same with, oh shit, what else? The the Felidar Guardian, that copycat combo. You know, like, oh, did you get copycat by turn four? Okay, cool. I'm dead. Awesome. So it, it, it is nice to see this this change of pace it's it's made standard very exciting i mean i've already talked about this before on other episodes and i'm just excited to play standard again and i can't wait to continue playing more of it so yeah that is all i've got to say about grand prix never so let's get on to some dnd I, I didn't talk any dnd at all last week and it was mainly because i want to talk about all about commander 2017 so D D. we had a DD session this past monday and it was oh my god <laughs> it was just oh it was 
is why I love being a DM because your players will always, always, always find ways to just trip you up. So we started back to where the the crew, the players were on their way to the Kobold cave to get their treasure chest back with the dragon egg and all the gold in it. And Rex Tillerson was leading the way. And as they get to the cave, they go in and they come across a banshee and they fight a banshee and i gotta say i love the move that banshees have um called whale and i just want to read the um ability what it does so one of their actions that a banshee can do is called whale the banshee releases a mournful whale provided that she isn't in sunlight they were in a cave so no sunlight this whale has no effect on constructs and undead all other creatures within 30 feet of her that can hear her must make a DC 13, a difficulty check, 13 constitution saving throw. On a failure, a creature drops to zero hit points. On a success, a creature takes 10 or 3d6 psychic damage. So, as the Banshee was about to die, I had her wail, and Rex Tillerson and Anna, my wife's character, both died. They or they went to zero hit points. Um, Alec and Allie, uh, Dardic, who played Dardic and Rudy, they took what, like 12, 13 damage, something like that. And yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you know, Dardic and Rudy were able to kill the Banshee before um you know, before Anna and Rex had to start making a lot of saving throws, because no, 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 that was the other battle. Um, where and you know, Dardic was able to revive them back, you know, heal them up again. So that was fun. That was the first um, oh shit, we almost died encounter because they're they're the last session or no, the session before that where they had their first quote unquote boss fight. Um, against the Minotaur and the Alchemist slash Wizard, the Dardic came very close to dying, um, and Anastasia did too, or Anastasia. I'm gonna keep fucking that shit up. So then, after they fought the Banshee, they went down the cave some more and came across to where the Kobolds were, and the Kobolds were um, basically worshiping a giant candle. So. Alec and all of his infinite wisdom, or sh I should say, Dardic and all of it, all of his in infinite wisdom. Oh, I gotta look up what spell he cast. Um, no. Oh God, what what is it? Um. Oh shit, I don't remember the name of it. Um, it was basically. Fuck, what was it? Um, oh my God, it's going to drive me crazy because I, I can't remember the name of it now. He, so he cast a spell, a fire spell that clerics can do. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cleric. There, there's gotta be like a light. Oh my God, it's going to drive me crazy. Okay. Okay. So besides wasting all your guys times with that time with that. So he cast this fire spell that he can light anything on fire, but it, it actually burns no heat and doesn't need oxygen or anything like that. It, it basically does no damage. It's just mainly for show. So he um, did a religion check on the kobolds and how they're worshiping the candle. And I said, okay, well, you, you recognize this because the kobolds, you know, worship the, the goddess Candelista. And it's always been in their, you know, religion to worship giant candles, you know, wherever they where a lot of them like to congregate. And um, so he lit himself on fire or lit his head on fire with that spell that doesn't actually do anything. You know, it doesn't it's not actual fire. It's just more of a it's not not an illusion, but it's it's actual fire. And he just went in there acting as if he was the emissary or the mouth of Candelista. And I had him like do a performance check, a persuasion check. And he persuaded all the kobolds since they are pretty dumb. Anyway, persuaded the kobolds to, um, you know, give, give them their treasure back. And he 
that's what I freaking love. I was just, I was dying with laughter when he told me like what his plan was going to be and you know how he was going to do it. I'm, I'm dying because I had something completely else planned. I was going to have them fight the kobolds depending on what they were going to do. And then there was going to be another surprise fight. I, I almost, I, I don't know if I want to say it because I know Alec is listening to this right now. This, this surprise fight may come up later. I, and at this point, I almost became a bad DM because I almost kind of wanted them to do this surprise encounters. I was almost kind of pushing for it. But the way Alec was role playing it, he he was doing a very good job of it where it wouldn't really make sense. I'd be railroading them. And that is one of the hardest things to try not to do, especially when you're a new DM, even when you are a DM that's been DMing for a long time and you, you get, you get excited about an encounter or a possible encounter or a few characters that you make and you want the party to come across them and they just do something completely different. And you're sort of like, Oh God, I really don't want them to go this way, but you know what? It's, it's going to happen this way. You just got to change, you got to change up and you really have to be humble where you know, just because you came up with something cool and it didn't exactly go to plan, you have to just be like, all right, well, we're going to scrap this and maybe we'll try it again later on down the campaign or in a different campaign. You know, who says you can't use that awesome idea you came up with in a different campaign just because your party may have completely foiled your plans. Remember, the game is about the players, not you. You, The DM is there to provide a setting and a story the players are the one who are supposed to be interacting and living in this story so it that i do have to admit alec if you're listening when you were doing that whole burning candle thing in the cave i came very close to forcing you all to fighting the kobolds and then my surprise encounter but i didn't do it because you role played it very well and plus, I was just dying with laughter anyway. And it was it was just so very well done. So they escape the cave and they start making their way back to the farm town, which I forgot the name of it. And on the way there, they come across these two orcs that are digging holes. And they stop the party because they want to know that the two orcs are brothers, Gorgash and Happy. And they were they wanted to stop the party because they were asking them oh you know who can dig a better hole because they wanted to find out who can dig the better hole so the two brothers were arguing amongst themselves and happy proclaimed he was the best cleric in all the land and this pissed off dardic to no end so they they got into a tussle you know there, there was an arguing match back and forth and that um let spill that the orcs were actually digging graves because there is an army of goblins and orcs coming to Sika, the first town they were in to, they were coming to that town to destroy it. So, and then, then Rex Tillerson makes a little quip of, Oh yeah, yeah, I knew that too. And that just <laughs> enraged my whole pl- party. And they ended up killing the orcs. Rex Tillerson almost died and yeah so after the the orcs were pretty tough i do have to say um happy being a cleric kept on there's some port parts where he kept on healing each other you know him and his brother and then freaking gorgash he was a fighter but damn did he have a lot of health and he just kept going he just kept doing what he was doing and um so after they all dispatched the orcs they went back to town and decided to do like a long rest in the end. It, it was already getting past two hours at that point. So I decided to level them all up to level four. And this is where things get exciting. They get an ability score increase or they can choose a feat. And I'm excited to see what they're all going to choose. And um, yeah. And then I can't wait to do the next session here. So some of the things I want to talk about with D&D was Wizards has officially released D&D Beyond. They don't have the mobile app out for it yet. And I was I did look around in the beta and I liked what I saw in the beta. I did not realize that after D&D Beyond came out that even though you could start a free account and create characters, 
that you were going to be so limited in what you could create as far as a character goes. And I have to say right away, I'm disappointed. I understand why they're limiting it because you basically can't create all the races and classes that you could from the player's handbook, not talking about from Volos or whatever, whatever other um, campaign books there are out there. So that is a bit disappointing. Um, and if you wanted to be able to create characters using their, their character builder, and you want to be able to use everything in the player's handbook, you basically have to buy the player's handbook, a digital version. So if you already own the physical copy, you can't use the D and D beyond version. You can't go on D and D beyond and like register your physical copy and have access to all the, you know, features of at least just the player's handbook. So yeah, after learning about that and just really going around poking around the free content, it's looking a little bit less desirable. Now, if I completely didn't care about physical books, I love the physical books, by the way, if I didn't care about the physical physical books and just wanted to play digital, this is probably the route I would go where I would sign up for D&D Beyond, get like the hero or master tier or whatever, which is like what, six bucks a month and probably buy the um, books on there because it'll unlock more things for you to do. Um, I sort of did a review a couple episodes ago of what D&D Beyond can do. Uh, one thing that I really, really hope that they start at least working on. And to me, it's probably the most important thing, at least for me as a DM is their campaign section. Cause right now when you go to start up a campaign in D D D and D beyond, it's basically just two areas that you just write notes in and that's it. And you do have your players join, you know, your campaign. So you can always see their character sheet, but I kind of want more. I want to be able to, I don't know, maybe upload maps or something so they can click on the map and see like, okay, hey, this is where you guys are at. Or same with dungeons and hell, maybe even create dungeons in D&D Beyond. I mean, I know there's Roll20 for that and there's what Fantasy Grounds, but I want to be able to do the official wizard's way. You know what I mean? So one of the other things I want to talk about with D&D and I feel this is almost a, I, I didn't really talk about it. I've talked about how to create a character and just talking about maybe some DMing stuff. But, you know, this is one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, we talk about D&D here and, you know, you know, there's a lot of questions of, you know, how do you begin D&D? You know, how do you just jump into it? Um you know, and there's so many ways to get into D and D. And one of the things I love about the game D and D, and it's not just D and D, but tabletop RPGs in general, is you can get into them for little to no money at all. Um, and the first thing, and I don't, I don't recommend pirating or stealing the actual rule books, but if and th- this ju- doesn't just pertain to D&D but if you're interested in playing tabletop RPGs and you don't have money or anything look up the website drive through RPG there are a lot of people that actually make their own tabletop RPGs which I'm one of them I have one made it's just nowhere near ready to be published or anything and then I need something called time to work on it. It's been something working on for way over 10 years now. Talked about it on So Your Father's a Nerd, uh, Espartia. Um, but there are a lot of other people that also release their, you know, core rule books on Drive Through RPG, you know, for free. And, you know, you're you're more than you're more than happy or you're you you can donate to them. You don't have to, but you know, it's a nice little gesture. And, you know, you can see how other RPGs are played. But if you really want to get into D&D here, um, like I said, I don't advocate pirating. But if there's someone you know that plays D&D or or you go to a local game store, maybe the owner would be happy to bring you in on a game or a session. 
something like that. Or even, you know, look at the starter set for D&D. Yeah, you get you get the basic rule book for D&D. You do get a campaign with it. You do get some character sheets. You get a set of dice. It's all for about 20 bucks. You can probably get an even less now. So where do you begin with D&D? First of all is the books. Now that D&D Beyond is out, you can either go physical or digital. Uh, the most important books out of the three, if you if you can only afford one book, and it's probably the most important book in D&D out of the three, and that's the Player's Handbook. You you don't even really need the Monster Manual or the D, the Dungeon Master's Guide. If you're just going to be a player, you just need the Player's Handbook. But if you ever decide to want to be a DM and you don't want to maybe get the DM guide, get the monster manual. The DM guide, I would only recommend for people that are completely new to DMing and just have no idea where to begin or where to start. The one thing I do like with the DM guide is it gives you, for more veteran DMs, it just gives you some good ideas on, oh, maybe maybe this is how I can create this city, or maybe this is what I can do with this character. And there's a lot of cool things in the DM guide where it gives you some random generators where, okay, so you want to make a villain and you're, you're not sure of what the end goal for this villain is. All right, roll a D 20 and whatever you roll and this list of, you know, plots, this is what your villain's going to do that, that helps it for that. And same with magical items too. It's, it's good for magic items. That's for sure for the DM guide. It's, it, I wouldn't recommend it if you're a veteran, but if you're definitely new and interested in DMing, I recommend it. But more important than the DM guide is the monster manual if you're going to be a DM. So you know all the type of monsters that are out there that you can use in D&D and their challenge ratings and how strong and tough they are and all that sort of good stuff. Um, there are a lot of resources online for monsters and how to create characters and stuff like that. So, like I said, I do advocate and recommend buying the official books from Wizards when it comes to D&D. Because one, it's they they they're a company and they need to make money and we just so we can keep getting this awesome product from them. But if you are short on cash or you don't have the cash or you know, or you're just more interested and let me learn about it a little bit more before I dive in because the investment with D and D and I don't play minis anymore. I used, I was really into minis with, um, and I'm talking about miniature miniatures here where you're playing with an actual like grid map and using the miniatures. I was really into that, you know, years ago, but now I'm just more into theater of the mind type thing. And to me, that's a lot more fun. You're not having to, because, oh God, especially if you have a big battle going on, you don't have to worry about setting up the battle and, you know, oh, hey, what's happening on this side of the battlefield versus what's happening on this side. And it, it just gets very, very daunting. And you forget a lot with theater of the mind. It's just sort of, okay, this is what's happening here right now. And, oh, okay, what's happening on the other side of the battlefield, blah, 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 this. You know, you, there's no setting up for it. So, like I was saying, if you're interested in just checking out D&D and you, you're not sure if you want to invest in it, and like I said, compared to Magic, the investment of D&D is way less than Magic. Um, you're looking, if you were to buy just the three basic books um, at the suggested retail price, um, each book is about 50 bucks. Um, you can get them cheaper at places, you know, some stores will sell them for 40 bucks or maybe 35 bucks. You know, you just got to go and look and you could probably, if you're just go by suggested retail price, you can have all three books for $150, which for the amount of gameplay that's involved with D and D that is above and beyond cheap. Because you will have so many hours of gameplay and years of gameplay. You could just stick with 5th edition and that's it. You know, there are people that still only play 3rd edition D&D, only 2nd edition D&D, 4th edition, 1st edition, and then that, that's all they ever play. And you know what? If that's what they like, awesome, good. You don't need to move on to a new edition. It's just whenever there's a new edition that comes out, you're going to find a bigger player pool. But 
you know, you, you don't have to move on to the new edition. You can just stick with an edition and boom, you're done. Um, so yeah. So there are some online tools I was saying before. Uh, one of my favorite online tools is called five E tools. Um, I think you can just literally go to Google and search up five E the number five E tools and it will be, it's a GitHub site and there's just a lot of rules here on how to create characters, how to play, how to, you know, do combat and, and how to run a game too, as well. Um, certain tools for that. There's all the spells on here, all the beast. Um, there's, you know, combat rating calculators, loot generators, all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, it's a really good starting off point, but if you want something that looks a little bit more user friendly in terms of creating characters, I would look at D and D beyond at least, even though I mentioned before D and D beyond doesn't have all the races and classes that the player's handbook does. You can, um, at least get the basic understanding of how to create a character and what it goes into when it comes to creating each character but one of the better looking sites for just creating characters this is just for characters only is orcpub2.com um really good looking site for creating um characters and i think you can look up monsters on here too and spells yeah you can so they are coming out with a mobile app for it and it's a kickstarter for that um i don't even how is that even legal i don't even know well i guess they're not actually selling the and anything with dnd they're just selling the access to do it so i don't know i don't know how that all works i'm not a lawyer i don't know anything about copyright law so okay so you got all that down you know how to play you've created a few characters you sort of understand it all where do you play um, that is still something I struggle with sometimes because, you know, I used to have quite a few buddies that would play D and D face to face. And now that as you get older, you have less time and, you know, you can't exactly meet up every weekend or every night and, you know, play D and D here. So there are a few ways to play there. I mentioned before in a few episodes, the D and D adventure league, which is sort of like F and M for D and D it's a sanctioned D and D event where you can go to a local game store. If they are registered with wizards to do it, you can play there every week for that and make sure there are games running or go to your local game store anyway and ask if anyone plays D and D there. And because especially just like magic, people who are new to D and D people who are, you know, been playing for a long time. We want you, we want to teach you how to play. You know, it's such a fun game. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Once you get into it, there's, there's nothing like it because it's, ah, man, just as I explained how the D and D sessions go, there's just nothing like it. So if you can't exactly play face to face, there is, there are ways to play online. You can play online through discord, through roll 20 fantasy grounds, where you can either do voice chat or, you know, video chat and, or Roll20 has where you can build game boards and, and towns and dungeons where your players can play. So there is that as well, too. Um, there is another site. It's not that popular. And I've been trying to get a few games going on there. But it just seems like it's kind of a pain in the butt. Is um, But there's a way to play play-by-post. And that is called gamers plane g-a-m-e-r-s-p-l-a-n-e.com gamersplane.com so that is a play-by-post it's they it's just like playing D face to face but you type up what you do and then you wait for the dm to respond for whatever you're doing that's i've been trying to get into that because um it's oh my request i'm still waiting for yeah, I've, I've been looking at this and it just takes a long time. Like I said, it's not that popular. Um, and I'm trying to get into some games here, but it's, it's mainly because I want to be able to play something when I have time, you know, maybe to do a post and, you know, maybe try to play as a, um, 
player more because I definitely do need um more player more um player experience because I DM way too much and I need that player experience. But gamers playing that's a play by post type site, not the greatest, but it is there. And I, I've read through some of the other games that have gone on and they look pretty fun. So there is that. So like I said, there's a lot of ways to play. Um, and there's just a lot of tools available. Like I said, D&D has got to be one of the cheapest hobbies that you can in, get into. Because as I said before, it's little to no money for um, even starting up. All right, last but not least tonight, we have got your q and I've only got a little bit of Q&A this week. Um, I didn't really give much notice for when I was going to record and, you know, getting your Q&A questions. I'll try to do better next time. It's just been one of those really busy weeks. So I have a question from Orcs Head Magic Jordan asking, when Pro Tour Hour of Devastation was running there was a lot of people complaining mainly stateside meaning the united states that watching the pro tour was hard due to it being in such a different time zone what is your opinion on how wizards should address this going forward and puts in a little asterisk i am uk based and quite quite frankly never get a chance to watch a pro tour live anyway and do not mind catching up on youtube or twitch so my first there's two schools of thought that i have for this one being that if Wizards wants the most amount of visibility and just the pure numbers for Pro Tours, if they're not in the United States and they're elsewhere in Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia, wherever they are, um, South America, forgot about that place. A lot of people do. Um, Is, you know, air it in a time that is going to be suitable for us viewers. If, if, if they want that high volume of watchers and viewers, I mean, otherwise to me, I don't necessarily agree with that doing, doing it to where they just air when the U S is going to be awake because one, isn't that going to hamper your players and your commentators and all that? I mean, their time zone, their circadian rhythms are going to be messed up anyway, especially commentators. So my train of thought is just keep it like how they do the Olympics in the U S where, you know, especially if they have the Olympics in China or something like that, where, Oh, a lot of the stuff doesn't get aired here until 1am or 2am, 3am, you know, I mean, it sucks when a pro tour is on the other side of the world and the U S can't exactly watch it. Oh, well, you know, that does suck. I mean, thank God for YouTube and Twitch VODs. I mean, we're spoiled. You know, if you really want to watch the Pro Tour that bad, just watch the replays. I mean, it's going to be exactly the same as if you were watching it live, just that you may kind of know what the results are ahead of time. I mean, just got to suck it up. That's all I got. It's pretty much how I feel about it. Um, and then next I have a question from Laz, good old Laz, what can be done to improve standard attendance? Um, depending on where you are, a standard, if standard attendance has continued to drop, especially after all these freaking bans, um, a lot of what can be done to improve it is your local game store. Your local game store needs to really do something to help improve standard attendance, you know, whether making it more desirable to attend there for standard, you know. I mean, Wizards does play a huge role in improving standard attendance. I feel in my area, standard attendance has skyrocketed. Um, Last week when I, no, I didn't go last week, but the week before when I went, we had what, almost 20 players show up. The week before that, we had almost 30 players show up. So, I mean, it does fluctuate and since school is back in session, it will, you know, probably go down for a little bit. So, I mean, like I said, it does depend on your local area. It also depends on your game store, too, how they can um, get it back up. But what Wizards does that a lot of companies don't do, especially card game companies, is they constantly make magic fresh and new. Every three months, we get a new set out, and it 
majority of the times changes the meta. Um, Hour of Devastation did change the meta. We have Mono Redback. Um, Ixlaxen is going to be a whole new meta since we have Battle for Zendikar through Eldritch Moon rotating out. So we're going to see a whole new playing field. So that's definitely going to improve standard attendance. Um, You know, decks are way cheaper than they have been for a long time. You could basically build a decent version of mono red aggro for 150, 120 to 150 bucks. You know, you may not be able to get all the Chandra's that you need, but you can get away with having no Chandra's in your mono red deck. It's not going to be that it's not going to be tier one, but you can get away with not having them. So I think with the combination of cheap standard decks and how they are getting cheaper compared to what they were got two years ago, that will improve it. Um, You know, with rotation coming up soon, that will improve it. And just as long as wizards keeps up with keeping the pendulum of threats and answers, at least balanced, it will stay improved because last year we saw a huge swing of, threats being on the high end and answers being on the low end. So let's hope they're, they've sort of swung that pendulum around starting with Aether Revolt and it's now feeling more balanced now in terms of the threats and answers um, balancing act. So that's how I feel. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, do you guys have any questions for me? Um, any questions, criticisms, anything like that? I'm, I'm, you know, I want to hear from you. Um, you can email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at magicwithzubi or on Facebook, facebook.com slash magicwithzubi. Um, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Gunna Geek Network at gunnageek.com. We're on the radio every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. and po- podcastradionetwork.net. And yeah, I think that's about it. So I just want to thank everybody for sitting through and listening to me ramble and have a great night, everybody. Okay.
dawn Whiskey somehow better when you're naked on the lawn Whiskey riding ready, the mood never sours Whiskey on my breath, keep me fresh for hours Whiskey like a yellow, never let me down Just like my shotgun when I put her down Whiskey is a question, correct me if I'm wrong Wasn't there a woman at the beginning of the song? Thank you.